Hello everyone, and welcome back to episode 35 of the Tondo Tindu Podcast. And this week, we have the second installment of Sports Talk, where we'll be talking about the biggest tournament that's happening right now, Euro 2020. Yes, I know, it's 2021. This tournament was supposed to happen last year, and they postponed it because of COVID. Yet, they just couldn't be bothered to change the name. No idea why, but never mind. So, Euro 2020 is basically the biggest international football tournament that's going on this summer. And joining us to discuss all of that is our regular guest, Rahul. Hello, everyone. We also have Siva, fresh after his uh, Champions League final win. Hi, guys. And for the first time, we also have our regular host, Kishore, back. Kishore, how much of football are you actually aware of? Nothing. None. Nada. Zero. ฉันรู้กันอาจจะไม่รู้อีกสักแค่ไหนโอเควีแคนแอดวีแคนแอดเรื่องซีโร่เรื่องซีโร่เรื่องซีโร่เรื่องซีโร่เรื่องซีโ
right? And this player moves club. You have to get accustomed to a new club, a new formation, new tactics, new coaches, new culture, and you know, 23 other players. Whereas if you're supporting one whole team, all you have to get accustomed to is one or two new players and losing one or two players. You understand what I mean? It's like it's less adjusting. Because the, the the team is so big, I'm not sure how how esports work. Like, how many players are on one team in esports? Uh, it's only five, five on each. Twenty five. Wow! Like this is we're talking about like but twenty even, players in one team. I know, team. but like even with mm-hmm. five, right? I'm only rooting mm-hmm. for one player, and on very rare occasions when there's a team that works so well, and I really like all of the players on the team, mm-hmm. then I root for all of them together. And then like if well, that's they exactly mix up I think the, that's the, the roster, you know. That's, that's normally, what what, say. normally what happens yeah. is like fans find a team that like where they really enjoy it and they get accustomed to it and then every time a transfer window comes on and players and managers like move come and go they sort of just like get on with it but the mm-hmm. fans do exist to just like you know follow one player like you have all those Ronaldo and Messi stands everywhere yeah and Neymar like, fans I know but then Pogba those people fans. are just idiots who just follow Ronaldo and Messi because of the team that they're on right but right. that's a solo yes. performance in a team game, so it doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense. That's the thing; it's mm. a team game. So just, yeah, just like it's the same thing with esports. Like, yeah. It's like even though I support the singular player, I I look at mm-hmm. the team as a whole. Like if he's on a bad team and like he's the only one who's performing, then no, I'm not going to support that team. But I'm still yeah. going to support the player. You know, mm-hmm. I might support another team. You know, correct. Yeah, but we're, we're I think so like the, I think with the Euros, it's like it's kind of okay because. Basically, right, if you're not from a country who's in Europe, I think the general consensus is normally you would, you would tend to pick a team with the players you like. It's just like with, with, in club football, it's more, it's more prevalent to have, to see this kind of like loyalty that you talk about. I think I with see, international yeah. football, it's common. So it's, it's just common a culture, right? Mm-hmm. It's right. more like a, like it's a more of a cultural thing of just, you know, picking a side and sticking with it till the end and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. some guys who, who like, who are diehard fans of a certain club, the best player of that club, if he, if he plays for a European nation, they support that club. So they, they follow that player around. Understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like Chelsea's, um, Chelsea's best player, I would say, I mean, I mean, the players are all above average, but the one that really stands out, I guess, is this guy called Kante, and he's a French guy. So a lot of Chelsea fans are now, uh, you know, rooting for France in the World Cup. But that could change, you see, because in four years, they would have another better player or, or newer player who they support that. So it goes like it's, that, it's, I guess. Unless you're European, just, then, you, then you have to just, support your own country, of course. It's just so sad that Arsenal don't have any good players. He's out of words. He's out of words. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, my God. We do have four at the Euros, though. We do have four, at least. We do. Four, four players. We have seven. Brentford has more players in the Euros, right? You have seven? Oh, fuck me. Okay. All right, let's not talk about that. It's this very sounds sad. like the saddest shit I've ever heard. It is, it's and somehow you're still Arsenal record. fans after this kind of a track record. I don't understand what yeah, I don't Richard understand. Richard and I actually have a theory. Richard and I have a theory. The, Which the theory? I have, theory? I, have, I have many theories. I have many theories. But the, all, the pain tolerance all, one. Nah, you, you have to explain that, man. I've, I've said this to right, many so, times. Um, Rishon and I, we have this theory that Arsenal, Arsenal is not just a football club, it's more than that. It's actually an experiment, an experiment to see how much pain can a human being uh, withheld before breaking. What is going on? That's just delusional, uh, come on. No, You're going no, on it's, a it's, conspiracy it's actually, theory, wild tangent bullshit. Good God, it's not, man. it's not. You spend some time watching Arsenal play and, and you kind of understand where you're coming from. There is a glimpse of days when it was better, but sadly things just change and like, yeah. you just feel so much of hatred for every other club that you just can't afford to move. Yeah. <laughs> can't afford to move off the table, so. Yeah, see, like, All that's something right, so... that I never understand. Like, why, mm-hmm. like, you know that the club has gone to shit and you have the opportunity just, you know, choose another club and root for them but then you're so diehard fans of the club that you're never going to leave yeah it's, it's when Ola you're Ola? too deep in and you can't get out that, that is sama, sama, yeah, you have your sama, pride sama. on the line right you have your you yeah. know your firstborn child your secondborn child uh, your yeah, will yeah. your house your property literally everything's on the line here unless you're me and, and you have um, you know spare clubs on the side to support oh, in case Arsenal goes <laughs> that's, that's like a guy going to yeah, going to choke it. That's my second and third. You know what I mean, right? Kishore, come on, man to man, you know? 
you have a girlfriend, <laughs> but you also need to have backup, lah. You know, you, you drive on the road with some boss. Di- disclaimer: <laughs> no, you uh, whatever Rahul says cannot be affiliated with the Tondal Tito podcast. The beliefs no, of guys. this individual is uh, definitely not shared amongst the Tondal Tito podcast hosts. So uh, please uh, uh, treat no, him. No, sure when you drive on the road with four tires, you always have one extra, right? Huh? Mm-hmm. All of us can. Yeah, that's the There's a trend in newer cars these days to like get the, rid of the, the spare tire to save space. Problem is, yeah, four yeah. spare tires, man. Yeah, yeah, of course. Reliable you know? tires. I'd yeah, rather have a repair kit than an extra spare tire because that's just too much weight, you know. You know, God this, gave us seven days in a in a week for a reason. You know, that's the repair kit thing is actually such a good analogy. Because as mm-hmm. fans, all we're hoping for is like when the transfer window comes around, just please, just please go and buy the right players. Then we'll be all right. But, but what is Arsenal's this? repair kit? I feel like if we open our repair kit, we have like a correction tape, an orange, and a kit cap bar, and they expect us to fix the tire, yeah. like, You know, like it's never gonna. It's it's it's. Well, the it's, social media team has last year's FA Cup to just remind everybody of the good times. Right. Just Don't the process. Do that. It's the hope that kills. Ah, it's the hope that kills. Okay, now on to the Euros. Um, I'm going yep. to read out the 24 uh, teams that qualified. Uh, we will go in detail with each and every um, nation that qualified. But I'm going to read out the names. Let's go. Um, in Group A, um, so um, um, just a name of everyone. We divide these teams into groups. We actually have um, six groups, and each group has four teams. So six times four is 24. 24 teams in total. All right. So in Group A, we have Turkey, Italy, Wales, and Switzerland. In Group B, we have Denmark, Finland, Belgium, and Russia. We then have Netherlands, Ukraine, Austria, and North Macedonia. In Group D, you have England, Croatia, Scotland, and the Czech Republic. Group E, you have Spain, Sweden, Poland, and Slovakia. And in Group F, you have Hungary, Portugal, France, and Germany. Um, among the big names that missed out on this competition includes um, Norway and Greece and Slovenia. I guess you could consider them big. Um, anyone, anything else that comes to mind, boys? I think Albania missed out, but you know, they're not really big. What, what about Albania. Bosnia? Oh, yeah, Bosnia. Bosnia. I mean, Can you name two like... Bosnian players? Begovic. Oh, I mean, Jacko. Jacko, Begovic. Pjanic. Yeah, okay, okay, wow, okay, so that's, that's, that's a pretty big nation that missed out as well. Well, among the big names, I mean, the big players who you might have heard of, you might have seen posters somewhere playing in this tournament, includes um, Cristiano Ronaldo. Who plays for Portugal. You have Tony Cruz who plays for Germany. You have Antoine Griezmann and Paul Pogba playing for France. In Belgium, you have Kevin De Bruyne, one of the best players in the Premier League. I mean, the England squad, the entire squad is just backed up with uh, you know first-class players. Very, very good team they have. Spain, well, you know, they have a, a few stars themselves. And Gareth Bale plays for Wales. So these are the, these are the big names. I, I like how he conveniently left out Lukaku and like Hazard and all. Yeah, why? It's, I'm talking about big names. Lukaku and Lukaku, uh, Hazard, is, Hazard, is, Hazard, is, Hazard is dead. Okay, we don't talk about dead guys here. Okay, do you want to jump yeah, in and I talk about each group? Let's just start with Group A, okay? Let's start with Italy. I think what we'll do is we'll just very quickly give a brief summary of each team and why okay. why should you like look out for that particular team. Basically, like I'll try to convince Kishore to pick a team. And we'll try to give Perfect. you the information as concise as possible. Siva, what are your thoughts on Italy? I think you followed them more than any of us have. Oh, Siva, yes. why don't you just give like like an overall of Group A? What, what do you think of entirely Group A? Because if you go nation by nation, it's going to take some time, right? Okay, so personally, when I look at Group A, as Rahul mentioned, there's like Italy, Wales, Switzerland, and Turkey. Wales, apart from Gareth Bale, I don't think like there's anyone you know big playing for that team. So. If Gareth Bale doesn't turn up, there's no wheels. And also, like, Switzerland... Switzerland have just been, like, that... That, how would I say? That that random team who, like, occasionally perform and occasionally they just, like... You know, they're just, like, bystanders. They don't they do not do anything unless, like, something miraculous happens. So, yeah. Switzerland are definitely not a powerhouse club or not even close to being an average club. I mean, sorry, not club. Country. Turkey. The surprise team. I, I, I don't exactly know why lots of people have started, like, you know, to root for, like, you know, Turkey in this uh, Euro 2020. I don't think Turkey could actually go far, apart from their, like, compact and, you know, defensive-minded uh, gameplay. So, yesterday when Italy played Turkey, I didn't see anything so, like, fascinating about, you know, Turkey, like, playing 
funny thing because like everybody were like so hyped up about their setup about their about them being the surprise team to like you know qualify and to actually the dark horse right that's what everybody loved them yeah the key yeah, the dark the dark horse of the competition but they really didn't impress at all last night huh yeah they 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 were just like nothing to be honest they were just like having actually to be honest I don't even I didn't even understand what tactics did they use what formation did they use they were just like a bunch of few few like you know sheep being like crumpled up in one place and everybody was like just following where the ball went and yeah Italy okay talking speaking about Italy personally in 2016 Euro 2016 I was a huge fan of Italy because of their manager Antonio Conte that guy has such a good way of setting up teams he's a brilliant manager honestly yeah yeah he's a brilliant manager and and he, and he's not actually hyped up much by the by anyone in the football world these days even back then everybody saw like conte as the dark horse so yeah the only reason why i thought italy back then were like so good is because of conte and also their legendary golden triangle defense which was uh, you know bonucci chiellini and also this other guy called barzagli they were like old but they oh, were like, exactly, so yeah. mm-hmm. so good yeah they italy were like, bonucci and chiellini are still playing and and barzagli that guy is retired including their legendary goalkeeper Gianluigi Buffon. Italy have been have always been the team which always came up with like one of the best defense defensive mindset teams in the world. I I wonder how Antonio Conte actually like you know set up that kind of team. But the the reason why I used to support Italy was because like their team was so dynamic, was so versatile. Like literally, their front three would always rotate and and all three all three of their front three would actually perform. If I'm not mistaken, they actually. uh switch between a formation of 352 and 343 so yeah it was it was actually so wonderful to see that using a back three they were that dominant in the in this uh, european competition so yeah if i would like if if i would suggest a team from group a for kisho to like you know support personally i would think that you know italy would be a such a good choice including yesterday during their first match against switzerland they were just so dominant they were just so Literally, out of yeah, literally. I, I, anyway, but I mean, like to to like you know push ten players up the field into the opponent's half. That's crazy. That's literally so like you know. That's 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 a suicide mission. It's like high risk, high reward. If you like, you know, if if it wasn't for Turkey, for Italy to actually have that mindset, that you know, that brave mindset, that dominant mindset to you know push ten, nine or nine or ten players up the field into the opponent's half. Ooh, that that really the manager must be some baller yeah, lah. Yeah. I think uh um, yeah, so yeah. The thing about the Italian team that really really impressed me is uh I I don't know about you but growing up Italy has always been like I know them for boring football. Right? They play very possession based football. They score maybe one, sometimes two goals and they don't concede any goals. Like you know, their defense is solid and they win games by 1-0, 2-1, 2-0. You know, very simple games. It's not very exciting to watch but it's clean and 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 simple right but yeah. yesterday you saw a very different side of the, the italian football it was full on yeah. attack it was scary to watch you know if if you're a turkish fan yesterday that was a massacre like the that, turkish people was very competent I and and he still considered three goals i could relate that to the german team bayern munich in 2019 yeah 2019 2020 yeah. the whole team was just you know full of all out attack i think yeah. during this during this there is during this great position where italy have had very good defensive players for many years and even yep. though some of these players have retired they still have retained that like defensive experience from years gone by and they also exactly. have players at a good age like 24 25 26 like these are young players at like their physical peak so even yesterday like even we were so the goalkeeper was 21 years old right yeah the goalkeeper is 21 years old and goalkeepers tend yeah. to play until they're like 35 36 so like they're not going to be around for like <laughs> yeah. a very long time yeah exactly Donnarumma, I mean, looking at him right now, he could be in for at least the next fifteen years, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's already he's been playing for the past two years. Yeah, he's been playing since he was like what, sixteen, seventeen. He's right. a very good player. But that's the thing about Italy. Italy are known for defensive football, but because of the players they've got now, they have become very exciting. And a lot of people have tipped Italy to like you know even go on and win the tournament, or at least reach like the the semi-finals at least. But I yeah, think like, based on what we saw yesterday. They're a good team, but they do have a tendency to miss chances, and they may not 
they can be a bit wasteful. So, like, in these in yeah. this group stage, you kind of expect them to be dominating. Like, they should easily beat Switzerland and Wales. But when it comes to the knockouts, maybe a team like Ukraine, Croatia, they could beat. But if they face a giant like maybe France or Portugal, then that then might that will be a very interesting game to watch because you can't tell if the right Italy turn up, you never know. They could beat anyone on the day. Definitely. Oh, Agreed. Perfect. I think um, that's a good coverage of Group E. Wanna go to Group B? This is exciting. They have Belgium here. Belgium, you know, the funny thing about Belgium, right, is Belgium's actually ranked the number one team in the world right now, according to UEFA's rankings. But the problem with Belgium is that they don't have much experience of winning things. Like, during the last World Cup, they reached the semi-finals. I think they won the third, the third place trophy. Um, even in the last Euros, so I think they reached like the quarters or the semi-finals. This is basically Belgium's best ever team. So Belgium don't have that much of a great history, but they have a very good team. And of course, they're the favorites to win this group because, like, they're the strongest team, and they have a lot of they have a lot of good players playing for good clubs. Like, they have a solid defense, although it is kind of aging. They have uh, Toby Alderweireld who plays for Spurs, Jan Vertonghen who plays for Benfica, Castagna who plays for Leicester. In midfield, Rahul said earlier they have Kevin De Bruyne, one of the best midfielders probably in the game right now. They have Romelu Lukaku who's probably one of the most informed forwards in Europe right now. Like, Romelu Lukaku is one of the favourites to win the Golden Boot as well. Overall, they have a very... Um, quick one, quick one, very... quick one. For, for people like Kishou who don't really understand much about football, Kishou, the Golden Boot, um, it's, what, it's, it's what is given to the player who scores the most goals in a certain competition. So if you score the most goals in the Euros, you get a Golden Boot. Or just only yeah, in the Euros competitions. No, yeah, in the Euros, Euros, in the Premier League, in any competition. So who has it right now? Well, the game's just started, so we've got a, we've got a. Well, the previous Lukaku, is there only oh, one previous, good or is there? Like, no, for every competition, a new one is given out. I don't oh, know. I think the, the last previous one, one was, Griezmann? was Griezmann, right? Yeah, it was Griezmann for France. Yeah, Griezmann. It's a French player. So for like in club football, right over in Italy, I think uh, was it Lukaku who won the Golden Boot in Italy? What's Ronaldo? It was Ronaldo. Right, Ronaldo. But I remember Lukaku ran him close. And Lukaku is actually yeah. one of the favourites to win the Golden Boot in this competition. So you can expect goals from this Belgian team. Like, if you want something exciting to watch, it's Belgium. Like, the, even though he's a favourite, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's actually going to score, right? Of course, again, it's, it, that's football. That's football. Okay. Yeah. But that's what... Know, from a rational standpoint, this actually sounds dumb, but okay. <laughs> it's like <laughs> okay, blindly okay. trusting it. Mm-hmm. But they're not the tournament favorites. But he's the favorite to score the most. Mm-hmm. Then we have we have Denmark. Denmark have an interesting team. Okay, so before we move on, right? Let me just explain what happens next. Okay, so the group stage there are six groups of four teams. The top two teams in each group, like based on points, uh, three points for a win, one point for a draw, no points for a loss. Um, the top two teams in each group will qualify for the next round, which is the round of sixteen. Now you notice, right, that's 12 teams. So the remaining four teams, now this is a very weird system. I don't know why they've implemented this. But apparently the four best third place teams, like based on the number of points they get, will qualify from each group. So that's something that you should take note. Like just because we think a team is not like one of the top two teams in that group, it doesn't mean that they can't reach the next round. So like just bear that in mind when we continue. So Denmark. Denmark have a decent team, but Denmark is one of those teams where they're not very strong, but they rely on a few star players. I think one of the standout names uh, would be Christian Eriksen, who plays for Inter Milan. He just won the league title in Italy. He's an attacking midfielder. Very exciting player to watch. He has excellent passing range. He takes a good free kick. He scores goals. They also have Kasper Schmeichel, a goalkeeper who plays for Leicester City. He just won the FA Cup in England. Also has won league titles. They have a solid defense. They have Simon Kia from Milan, Christiansen from Chelsea. So basically, this is like. Wait, uh, which one you're missing out? You're so Paulson. Shukriman's gonna kill us if we don't talk about him. Oh no! What Paulson? You doesn't even score that many goals. Uh, oh, which brings me to my last point. I mean, he's basically probably the reason why Timo Werner doesn't look so good at Chelsea right now. If Paulson had followed him along, maybe they would oh, look better no. as a pair. But but that's but that's the thing. Denmark have. 
a few good players. They have a solid defense, but they don't necessarily have an out-and-out goal scorer. So basically, you would expect Denmark to play more as a team, try to contain other teams, and try to play to their strengths. But you can't. You don't. You wouldn't really expect them to score a lot. Russia. Russia hosted the last World Cup, but Russia essentially they're they're an aging team. So basically, a lot of their players are like on the wrong side of thirty. Basically. So they could do well. It basically depends if they're able to maybe take a point off Belgium or take a point off Denmark. They do well, but I don't think I would recommend Russia because they don't really have many good name players. They have an they have a decent team unit, but they're relying on a guy called Artem Zuba, who's like thirty six years old for as their source of goals, and he's not very quick. He's not as prolific as he once was. Like. In previous years, he was a good player, but now he's showing signs of age and decline. So, wouldn't recommend that. And of course, we have the minus of the group Finland. As you can tell, everybody's probably predicting Finland to finish fourth in the group, and for good reason. I think the only players of note they have is probably their goalkeeper Hadreki, who plays for a team in Germany called Leverkusen, and Timu Puki. Timu Puki is a guy who two years ago in the Premier League had this like scoring run where he, I think, he scored in like what four to five consecutive games. And after that, he just disappeared. He had a loss of form. They refer to it as Pookie Party. Pookie is basically their Finland's main source of goals. It's they basically just rely on this one guy to get them goals, and that's it. So you wouldn't really recommend Finland unless you're Finnish, of course. Okay, um, on to me, and let's go to Group C. Um, Group C has the Netherlands, um, also known as Holland. It has Ukraine. It has Austria, and it has North Macedonia. The only team that's really worth talking about here is the Netherlands, who is also going through what we, you know, in football we like to call their golden generation, just like with Belgium. Um, they have a bunch of very good players here. They have um, one of the best defenders in the world. Unfortunately, he won't be playing because he's injured. His name is Virgil van Dijk. Um, they also have a really good set of midfielders. They have um, Frankie de Jong, who plays for Barcelona, which is another very big team. Um, they have Matthias Delight, who's a defender, and he plays for Juventus. I'm sorry, he plays for Juventus. He's also a very good player, and they're both very young. They're not even 22 yet. In the attack, they have Memphis Depay, who's also Quincy quite young, Proms. isn't he? 28. Quincy, Quincy Promes, who is, uh, yeah, who is mm-hmm. a criminal, I believe. Didn't he stab someone? Oh, yeah, he did. That's the weird thing. Yeah. So, th- this guy, apparently, while he was in the Netherlands, apparently got like charged for assault, for stabbing someone. And because of that, as punishment, his club transferred enough to this team in Moscow. So they basically just sent him to the Gulag. Yet somehow he's listed on the squad list here. So we're interested to see if he actually turns up. And he can yeah. turn up. That's the thing. Like, legally, he can actually play. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's a bit scary knowing that this guy has actually stabbed someone. How did he escape those Russian men? Those Russian no men. Idea. No Russia idea. had this player in, in the 2016 Euros. Uh, this guy, Alexander Kokorin. I think he's a striker. Also recently got sent to jail, just came out, he's playing again. Although he didn't get called to the Russian squad. It was very interesting. Like there are a lot of criminals in football these days. Like even there are criminals in Russia these days. Mm-hmm. Very true. Mm-hmm. But aside yeah. from criminals, you haven't mentioned Ronaldo. Why is that? <sighs> okay. Here's the thing. There's this player that goes by the name of Genie Wijnaldum. If you Google him, you take a look at him. You wouldn't think he's a professional football player. A circus clown is, is, is what comes close to your mind, probably. He's not a very good football player. He's won some, some, some big trophies because he played for Liverpool at their best. He was never, never a good player. Okay. And he's recently been hyped up. And I've, I've seen a Liverpool fan account call him a legend. Richmond Siva. He's not, come on, help me out. He's not a legend, right? By any measure, he's, first... he's, he's not. The first impression I get when I look at him is like an MRT construction worker, so yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And he plays like one too. He's not a very good world player at all. <laughs> he's, a, he's scored two goals against Barcelona in the semi-final cup for UCL. That's it. That, that's on his resume. That's it. But a, but a lot of football fans have short memories. I mean like, when they see a player that like, score in like a very important match, instantly like, oh, my idol or like such a good player. Like, why do you think the Uber fans talk about Origi? Yeah, they'd love to see him go this summer. They wouldn't want to keep yeah. him around. But yet, they, he's a Liverpool legend because he scored in the final. So, um, 
you know, yeah, if, um, it's, I don't... it's a weird, it's a weird thing because Wijnaldum is a player who we know in the league. I think why Rahul doesn't like uh, Wijnaldum as a player because he doesn't score goals. He play, he's like he's only scored like what two goals this season. I think previously he's only, the previous season he only scored one. But for the Netherlands, they give him a more like attacking role. I think with the Netherlands, it's like you can expect a good a good performance, but yeah. because they they lack like they lack a, like that star power, you know, that cutting edge. Yeah. So yeah. they lack a. You would expect Persie them to qualify for this Wesley group. Snyder, right? Mm, they, yeah. They like someone there's like that. no yeah. like Robin van Persie, no Arjen. Plus Jan Huntela. There's no Huntela. Oh my god. Oh, yeah. there's no Huntela. I love Huntela. Yeah. So, um, Kishu, if you're looking yeah. at a team to support for this particular competition, I don't think Netherlands is the one for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because their their best player is injured. Like, their, their star player is is injured. He, he had his so leg, the basically. The they're an okay side with a few good players here and there. I think they play, they play quite attractive football. But I don't see them going very far. Maybe, maybe semi-finals if they're lucky with their draws, but that's it. But in their group, in Group C, they, they are miles ahead of the other the other three countries. The other three countries are Ukraine, Austria, and North Macedonia. And none of these teams have any anything to offer on the table. I think Austria has one good player. Um, I, I, who is that? Yeah, Alaba. David Alaba. Alaba. He's Real Madrid now. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because David Alaba plays as a defender. He, yeah, he's a defender now. But for... You know... You know the team is not very good when David Alaba for his club is a defender, but he plays as a midfielder or even a winger for Austria because they really just don't have any good attackers. Yeah. So they have to pick this guy who plays as a defender and put him up there expecting to score goals. So it's not a very good it's not a very good team at all. But they I have nothing against one or them. two good individuals like Sabitzer from Leipzig, but like these are players who are decent but are not gonna like carry the team on their own. Yeah, um, North Macedonia has the population of two million, so it's a it's a very small country, and for them to make it this far, like even qualify for the Euros, is already impressive enough. Um, and you know what? If they do end up top two in this group, I'm happy for them. Um, but they really have they, they don't have any star players at all. They they don't have that's anyone worth mentioning. That's one legend though. Who's that's that? One legend, Pandev. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pandev, he's, his glory days were t- like, what, 10 years ago when he won the treble with Inter Milan. And oh, he's 37 yeah. years old now. I see. Oh yeah, and they do have Alioski. Mm. Yeah, they do have Alioski. But these are just two individuals and they're not like superstars in any right. So, yeah. you expect North Macedonia to get trashed. So, Kishore, if you're into pain, yeah, North Macedonia yeah. is for you. Pain? And, yeah. yeah, pain. Mm. So that that's the one we would we would recommend for pain. If you if you're just here for the vibes, you know, Netherlands might be the one for you. But if you're serious and if you are absolutely serious, look into group F. Which um should I cover now? Are we done with group C? Yeah, let's cover group F because group F is probably the most talking points. Yep. Okay. Group of death. Perfect. So group F, dubbed as the group of death, has Portugal, France, Germany, and Hungary. So I'm going to take into perspective the last 10 years. Yeah, Let's just take the past 10 years. Germany has won a World Cup. Um, France has made it to the finals of the Euros and won a World Cup themselves. They, they actually won the, the previous World Cup in 2018. And they have a, a squad that is just impeccable. There's nothing wrong with their squad. They have a brilliant set of players who also have the experience of winning a World Cup. If mm-hmm. you made a if you if you made a France team out of all the French players who didn't get picked, they would probably still win the Euros. Yeah, that's that's just how good they are. Unbelievable. And Germany, um, Germany has always been Germany from the sixties. They've at least been above average, you know. And this is not a bad Germany squad. It's not as good as the twenty fourteen one or the twenty sixteen one, you know. But a lot of their players are you know are hitting 33, 34, but they're still a, still a pretty good squad. And, you know, um, Richard has mentioned that four out of the six third-place teams in, in all of these groups will make it through. This group F, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% confident that the third place here is, is going to make it through. So it doesn't really matter what top two is. What more about top three in this one, right? Got, Which is pretty, mu- it pretty much like, it picks one. itself. Who goes through, yeah. Rahul, I think you and, have to talk um, about Portugal because isn't Portugal the team you're backing for the Euros? 
Yes, Portugal has always been the team I've always backed in in Euros and in World Cups because they have Cristiano Ronaldo, the best player to ever lace the boots, the best player to ever kick a football, the best player to ever play football. Uh, Football should be proud it has Ronaldo. Okay, Uh, Ronaldo is the football what Michael Jordan wishes to be for basketball. Okay, he is a legend. So um, just to just to put it into perspective of how good Cristiano Ronaldo is as a player, Dishon, there's this thing called the Ballon d'Or, which you might or might not have heard, you might or might not have seen. It's a golden I ball. Never, never ever heard of. Do me a favor and and just Google Ballon d'Or. Google Ballon d'Or, and you could see this trophy. It's a beautiful trophy. It's made out of gold, and it it's sits basically on the best like, player in like football over over a certain year. Yeah, yeah, over like every year, it's given out to the best performer. And it sits on this plateau of diamond. It's just, it's such a beautiful trophy. You want to know yeah, how many of those Ronaldo ball, has? Yeah. You want to know how many of those Ronaldo has? He has mm. five of those. Okay, five of those. He is no one. Okay, let's not talk about Lionel Messi, right? Like no hmm, European Messi player. Has six, no, no, no. Wait, we're talking about European players here. No European players has ever even come close to three. Okay. Well, Platini has three, Cruyff at three, but well, Ronaldo uh, is probably the best of the lot in the moment. Please understand that Cristiano Ronaldo is the best world player to ever live. He's the best athlete in the world, okay? And he's 36 years old, okay? So people, a lot of people will bring this up, Kishore. If you go around saying, I'm a, I'm a Ronaldo fan, they'll come up to you, they'll say a lot of stupid things, right? They'll say, oh my God, he's 36 years old. He's way past his prime. He's playing for Juventus. Not a very good club in Italy. Right? They're going to tell you all these things, but, but, but tell them this, right? No player has ever won five Champions Leagues, five Ballon d'Ors, and a Euro. No one has ever done this except for Cristiano Ronaldo. Alright, Kishore? Which is why I'm recommending that, to you. But mm-hmm. like, putting it all up to Ronaldo's name, I think that's a bit like <laughs> bad in a sense because... Correct. Like, Which, you know, I, I completely uh, agree. You know, there's and an entire the team... Not a for the past few years, man. for the past, for the past, I would say the past ten years, I've been supporting Ronaldo. It's always been Ronaldo for Portugal, Ronaldo for Portugal, but it's all changed right now. It's all changed. You know why? Because out of the the eleven players who plays for them, like I could, I could easily categorize eight of them as world class players. So another player that stands out for Portugal is this guy called Bruno Fernandes, who plays for uh, uh, plays for Manchester United. I would say he's the third or fourth best player in the Premier League right now. So very, very good player. He's actually carrying Manchester United. Manchester United fans talk about Bruno Fernandes, how Catholics talk about Jesus Christ sometimes. Again, I'm not exaggerating that. Richmond, am I exaggerating that? No. Tell me if I am. They love the guy. No. Actually, they love that guy. And for good reason. He's, he's a very good player. And, and he's, and he's, well, he's not had much experience winning things, but that's all going to change. Right? Right, guys? Um, hmm? Yeah. All he's at the week. And, um, if I speak, I'm in trouble. Like you're, you're still <laughs> objectifying the entire win to like one player carrying the entire team. So no, what is let's let's go over this. So I think mm-hmm. over the past like ten years, right? Portugal haven't had a standout team. They just rely on Ronaldo. They haven't really won anything. But this year, right? Somehow Portugal have come up with this golden generation of players who are again at a very good age, like twenty two to twenty four, some twenty six year olds. They have they have world class players in almost every position. Like, okay, yeah. goalkeepers, they have, they have Rio Patricio. He's a very solid goalkeeper. Joao Cancelo is probably the best, the best right-back in the, in the world right now. Ruben Diaz, as okay. if you listen to our last podcast, you could see Seva just idolizing Ruben Diaz as well. Sadly. They have Sadly solid players like way. Ruben Neves, Joao <laughs> Moutinho. Even up front, they have a player who plays for Liverpool, Diogo Jota, who's been in very good form. I think he scored, like, what, two goals in the friendly before this? Yeah, and also in the game just before this. Yeah, if you want another narrative, I think Portugal just beat Israel like four one, was it? And there's this huge narrative online that like only 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 Portugal could you know, Portugal's the team you should back if you want world peace. So there's that narrative. (laughs) Yeah, well, so Kisho, what you have basically is if you take Ronaldo out of the out of the Portugal squad, you have a bunch of these very young players who are hungry and who are very capable of, of doing things, you know, in the future. They're, they're very young. Um, they also have, I, you forgot to mention Jao Felix, Richman, the most expensive mm. player in the world. 
Mm-hmm. The most expensive. Mm-hmm. What is this Atletico agenda again? Okay, they have the most expensive youngster playing for them. Um, how much did he cost? Two hundred and. No, I how think it was more that? like hundred and twenty million euros. Oh, oh hundred. Okay, okay, hundred and twenty million euros at nineteen years old, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what what can I say? They have this group of young players who are hungry and full of potential and very capable of winning, even without Ronaldo. And with Ronaldo there, it looks very scary because Ronaldo has experience. He is obviously, you know, one of the greats to ever play football. And with him as the leader, you know, it, it's it's a, it's definitely an incentive for the team. So if you're looking to win something and come out of this competition as a winner, Kishore, Portugal is the one for you. Don't let anyone else tell you, tell you otherwise. Got it? Uh-huh. I I don't think I'll be rooting for Portugal because again <sighs> you're just you're just bringing it all up onto like Ronaldo's name and like. But honestly, if Ronaldo played football against eleven like, guys, he would win. If you play the like, so, like, why are you supporting the team? You just rather just support Ronaldo, right? Um, so I think that that's where I. There's no up. point of supporting so, Portugal. Okay, for this Euros, I'm rooting for France. Simple reason: they have the best team, and by best team, I mean basically, right? You could take out like even like five or six players from their regular starting team, and it would still do really well. Because I think England has a better moment, team, right? but okay. Um, England has a better team, but okay. I'm not gonna say it. Okay, we'll explain about England later. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right now, right, <laughs> France and England are the two favorites for this. But I think a lot of people have issues with the way the England manager sets up the team, because Definitely. basically what happens, right, is these players play for their clubs throughout the year, and, and then only during these like international tournaments or whenever they play a player friendly, they are able to call up a squad of like 25 or 26 players to get together and you know play good football. So the problem with that is that managers don't actually have the time to coach these players and figure out what's the best system. But the thing about France is that they've stuck with this manager for a while. It's still the same group of players who won the World Cup in 2018 and they're a very solid team unit. They have, I think we've talked about N'Golo Kante just before that. He just won the Champions League with Chelsea and he's honestly one of the most likable guys in football because he's really humble he didn't have a really like glamorous start. I think he started off playing like third division or fourth division football in France. Somehow came to a club in England called Leicester City for a very small fee and they won the league title against all the odds. He got a big move to Chelsea, continued winning trophies there. He's a defensive midfielder who's very likable and he's very humble. Yeah, so that's why I would say France are my pick because they have loads of talent. They have a manager who's been with them for a long time. And they are very recognizable individuals, but they also have a really good team spirit. Like, this is a team who's won the World Cup together and they have, like, a really good, like, team unit. You have, like, recognizable players like Kylian Mbappe, Griezmann, who won the last Euros Golden Boot, Karim Benzema, uh, Kante, Pogba. They have a good goalkeeper, Luis. They have good defenders in uh, Varane, Zuma, Kimpembe. They have a really solid team overall. So, basically, France would be... Probably the safest pick if you're looking for a team with experience and who's a good team. And I guess the other team and, in the group, Germany. And they just just won the World mm-hmm. Cup too. So, yeah. Yeah. They, they have that's always, that's mm-hmm. always a good thing. And Germany, Germany, I'd say they were once a good team. They won the World Cup in 2014, but a lot of their players are aging and their manager is also leaving at the end of this tournament. But they have some good young players as well. And because, you know, the manager's been there for a long time. And Germany Germany is a team who have a, like, a very fixed philosophy. And they always, no matter, no matter even if the players keep changing year on year, they always stick to this philosophy. They're very ruthless. They're very clinical. And they always like play very direct football. Some recognizable players, Manuel Neuer, they're goal, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. They're captain. In defense, they have players like Mats Hummels, Nicholas Sula, Rudiger from Chelsea. In midfield, like Raul mentioned, Tony Cruz, Gundogan from Man City, Thomas Muller. The young, they have younger players as well, like Kai Havertz, Leroy Sané, Timo Werner, who we always like to diss. But he's a decent striker on his day. So I guess Germany, Germany is more of a team for the traditionalists. If like you're, you're growing up, you've seen Germany do well, or you're a fan of like German efficiency or directness, they're a team to watch. 
So yeah, and, and there's course, also the German German type of German style of football, which it's it's always been there, right? The German no, style of playing football. No matter the managers change, the players change. German football always has this very unique philosophy. So if you're someone who wants like sort of like almost like a religion to follow, then Germany could be the one for you. And of course, I think we we haven't mentioned Hungary. Basically, because no one is giving Hungary a single chance in the group when they have to play matches against some of the three of the best teams in the world right now. Mm-hmm. I'd arguably say their best player, Dominic Sobosla, is out injured right now. So basically, you wouldn't really. Hungary are basically the North Macedonia of this group. If I were to give you another an- analogy, they're just not very good. No, no objections on that one. Now we so can we move on to Group D. Anyone yeah. want to cover Group D? Group D, as usual. Hmm. Who's in Group D? So we have uh, oh, Croatia. World Cup so, finalists in 2018? Exactly. Croatia, the yeah, surprise Scotland, World Cup finalists. The first time they've been in a big competition for a long time. Exactly. Scotland, deemed as the underdogs, but with decent and very, very good world-class players. Two of and their best have... players are left-backs. Like, exactly. That's, that's one unique thing about Scotland. But they're a good team. They have a good team spirit, but this is their first time. And and they have like so many breakthrough young players, especially like Billy Gilmore from Chelsea, uh, Scott McTominay from Manchester United. And yeah, as mentioned by Rishwan, there's like Kieran Tierney from Arsenal and also Robertson by which if you were to ask any Liverpool fan, he's he's probably the best Premier Premier League left back for you know like how for the recent years. That's what any every Liverpool fan would say. So yeah, Czech Republic, definitely not favourites, definitely not one of the teams to like finish in the top two. They have like one or two recognisable names, like Suchek and, and uh, Sufal from West Ham. But other yeah. than that, they just don't really have a very like strong unit. Exactly, that's why I don't see them like winning anything in this group. To be, to be really honest, I don't see them winning any matches in this group. Even with Scotland, I think I think probably mostly go to a draw. And yeah, Croatia, as Rishon mentioned, 2018 World Cup finalists, surprise finalists, because like, yeah, who would have ever thought Croatia to actually go to the final? Croatia, yeah, they, they, are, they have a very, very good squad, full of players that come from very, very good clubs all, ar- all around the Europe. That's like uh, Champions League winner Mateo Kovacic, who is definitely such a, such, such a good player for the, you know, Chelsea, Chelsea club. You know, he suits their system so well. He drives the ball so so much, like, you know, so direct. He brings the ball so well. There's like Modric, one of the Ballon d'Or winners, as mentioned by Rahul earlier. Surprise Ballon d'Or winners for them. Mm-hmm. They have decent forwards as well. They have Kramaric, who plays in, in uh, for Hoffenheim in Germany. Mislav Orsic, who we all remember for that hat-trick against Spurs a few exactly. months back. <laughs> they have I a like decent how you team. Out Spurs. <laughs> of yeah. course, the agenda continues. But I think they have a decent team, but it is aging. But they do have experience. But you would yep. say Croatia are probably the f- favourites to finish either second or first. But we exactly. can't not talk about England. Definitely. England. Oh my god, England. To be honest, this England team is flawless. It's definitely flawless. It's just that the manager, the manager does not know how to pick his team well. The manager does not know how to set up his team well. He doesn't even know how to manage. But the English crowd is a, is a tough one to, to please, you know, because everyone has their own agenda. Yeah. English fans because are I think, please. because everyone watches the Premier League, I think, and of course, only two players from this squad are not from the Premier League and they're all really good players in their own right. Like, exactly. there's been a lot of debate even about the players who were left out of the squad. And yeah. also, and- the English fans, they love to sing It's Coming Home because basically, football was invented in England, exactly. of course. And the only time they've won a major international trophy was the 1966 World Cup, which was hosted in England. And they just, their fans just won't stop talking about. But yeah. for a lot of people, I think this is like, according to them, the best England squad in years. So much so that there's been so much debate online and even among ourselves over what England's best team should be. Exactly. But a lot of us don't tend to agree with the way the England manager sets his team up. But they're amazing players there. I think, Siva, like, you can name anyone. Like, I don't think any of us would have any objection to whoever you'd bring up as their star players, you know? You could, you could probably pick, like, four teams out of the 
the 25 players they have there, four different teams that would actually like, they are capable of beating like anyone out there on their day. So yeah. Yeah, to, but then again, this group of players, they perform well for their clubs much better than they usually do for their countries. Exactly. Mm-hmm. These guys, what, yeah. It could be down to the system, that could be down to chemistry. There's a lot of reasons, honestly. Hey, let, let's put it this way. Two weeks ago, Chelsea beat Man City in the final and two weeks later, they are like Man City and Chelsea players playing the same team for the England team. Just just think about how much of, you know, discomfort would there be among the players. Like, bro, that's that's so, oh my God. Ima- imagine a Man City player coming up and like, you know, facing a Chelsea player in the training sessions and all. How much of like a bittersweet moment would there be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. very likely that you will see a Man City, you probably see like uh, Phil Foden and Mason Mount playing together for England. Exactly. And, but that's uh, the thing, they've got, uh, they've got really good players. Like you've got Harry Kane, the Golden Boot winner over in, uh, over in England. And during the last World Cup, he was also the Golden Boot winner. Um, One of the most prolific strikers in recent years. Mm-hmm, and linked with every big club. In the last podcast, you could see Seva like debating with us whether Harry Kane should move to Manchester City because he isn't winning any trophies at his current club. You have Jack Grealish who plays for Aston Villa, but all of all of us football fans love Jack Grealish for the way he plays. Everyone loves Jack Grealish. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves Jack Grealish. There's, There's Rashford who plays for Man United, Raheem Sterling. Great. Breakout youngsters like Foden and Mount. And Kaiosaka. Yeah, yeah, and Kaiosaka, sorry for that. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's like, yeah. And there's like experienced players like John Stones and, you know, Harry Maguire, who's the leader. Without mm. Mag- Okay, I, I think we all can agree to an extent that without Maguire, England are just not stable in uh, yeah, defense. Yeah, just, just like United, you know. Without Maguire, they're yeah. not stable. He's, he's, a, mm-hmm. he's a rock solid defender who, who makes. A couple of occasional very funny mistakes, but he's just a very good defender. Mm, yeah, they call him Slabbit like... for a reason, but he's mm-hmm. he's a good leader for them, and I think he's back from injury now. So I think England do have a good chance, no matter yeah, who like they Jordan pick, Henderson as too. long as they just you know turn up, play to their strengths. I think England, right? Even though we're all not exactly backing England for this tournament, we're all going to be following England because we all have like a really deep attachment to all of their players. But I'm I'm. Technically, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards France like, this time around. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, Belgium. Sorry. sorry. If, if, England, if England wins, we'll all be happy. Like, you know, generally yeah. speaking. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's Group B wrapped up. Now, the last group we haven't talked about, um, there's Group E, which comprises of Spain, Sweden, Poland, and Slovakia. Rahul, do you have anything to say about these four teams? Spain, um... Well, everybody knows Spain for good football. A lot of good footballers come from Spain. A lot of good football is played in Spain. But the current Spain squad doesn't look as good as the maybe it did 10 years ago. And they're still a very good team. But I don't see them going too far in this competition. I, I know a lot of people would, would, would go against me on that. But I, I really don't see any winners in this team. Sergio Ramos is not in this team. And he's their best player. Mm-hmm. Um, they left now because of lack of fitness. And even Sergio Busquets, who's like, yeah. I think Barcelona's anchor, he's he's just been ruled off from the tournament because he's contracted COVID. So that's so an issue for them as well. A lot of young players here who, who probably could get a lot of uh, valuable experience from this competition, but I don't see them really going too far here. They're probably going to go ahead from their group because they're against Sweden, Poland, and Slovakia. Three other teams who are not very good as well. But after that, it's, it's it really depends on who, who they come against. But I would say semi-finals would be be very good for, for this group of players. It, it would be very good. And probably mm-hmm. the ceiling for them, if we're being honest. Yeah. But it's football, you see. <laughs> Anything could happen. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, Rahul, you have a lot to say about Sweden, especially without Ibrahimovic. Sweden might actually go far because Zlatan <laughs> because is not bad. So, um, Zlatan oh, no. Ibrahimovic... Um, well, they actually did knows. in the World Cup, so you're, not te- you're technically not wrong. Yeah, um, and without Zlatan, even without uh, Zlatan, they have a few good players. Uh, players that at least I know the names of, you know, I've seen them play once or twice. So um, mm-hmm. There's Lindelof for United, um, Emil Forsberg who plays for Leipzig. Is Larson still there? Isak for Sociedad, Kulusevski for Juventus. There's, there's a decent team in there. But I think their main rivals for second spot in the group would probably be Poland. Um, again, riding on Lewandowski, lah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Lewandowski also happens to be 
probably one of the best strikers in the world. I think he scored over 40 goals for Bayern Munich this season. He's the top he's the top scorer in Germany. Currently the best striker in the world. I don't I think it's fair to say, you know. Yeah, yeah. We could probably say him, then maybe Kane after that. Mm-hmm. Poland again, like they're basically just relying on Lewandowski. They don't really have many other players who stand out. And then mm-hmm. of they course did, they did have Blaszczykowski for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I remember but him. I think they anymore. have good goalkeepers as well. Uh, Fabianski and Chesney. Both used to play for Arsenal at some point. Did you remember Pijak? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. They just retired this year. Just before there's, there's, like, there's like Milik. Remember Milik? Mm-hmm. I think yeah, it was oh. Milik. Yeah, Milik did get called up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got called you up. You know what I think of Milik? I remember this other guy, Marek Hamsik. No idea who oh, he plays for. Oh my god, yeah. What a player. I only know him for Chinese club now. What a coincidence. He plays for Slovakia. He plays for Slovakia. Okay, okay. <laughs> Slovakia has yeah. um Oblak and Keeper, right? Uh no, that's Slovenia. Slovakia have Martin oh, okay. Dubravka, who's also pretty good. He plays for Newcastle. That's okay. Yeah, I guess. They have Skriniar in defense. Mm-hmm. Also a very good centre back. And of yeah. course, like we said, Marek Hamstich, who was a very good player, like at the last like major tournament, but then recently he moved mm-hmm. to the team in China and we haven't really heard much from him since. How is he doing in China, honestly? Not very good. I think recently he moved back to a like a lower league team in Sweden. Maybe just mm-hmm. for fitness, I guess. So not really pulling up any trees. He's not that maybe old. Just... He's only 33. He's only 33. Yeah, I know. But like bad career decisions, of course. I mean, there was this epidemic. I don't know why we call it an epidemic. But there, there was this period in like 2016 where a lot of players were moving. A lot of good players were moving to China to play football. Because apparently they were getting an insane amount of wages. Like there was this player, I think Oscar, he gets like about a million a week, like a million dollars a week just for yeah. just for playing football over there in China. But recently the Chinese government was like, okay, we brought these expensive players over, but then our Chinese players are not improving. So we're going to like cut all these salaries and we're not going to let them have these expensive salaries anymore. We're going to implement a salary cap. So possibly we'll see a lot of these... Uh, foreign players from China probably moving back to Europe. Like, you know, Graziano Pell? He was great at Southampton and now he's moved back to Italy because of this. So, that's just something to take note of when we speak about the Chinese Super League in general. So, yeah, with that being said, I think we've covered all the teams. I guess, Kisho, before you decide who you should go for, what would you say... decided. Oh, you oh have? I'm going okay. for Christian Eriksen. I'm going for Denmark, baby. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew that this was, was going to happen. This is a great pick. It was written in the stars. Rahul, say a couple of words for him. For those of you who don't know about what's happening with Christian Eriksen, Rahul, take it away. No, bagayaro! Nikore! Okay, um... <clears throat> Christian Eriksen, um, how how do we all know him? He well, okay. Let, let me just let me just say, um, if you are listening to this podcast, um, just just as we were talking about France, yeah, um, of course he would be we, tuning in we, into the tunnel to the podcast casually. <laughs> just uh, you know, uh, if you guys were listening to us uh, while we were talking about France, um, you might have noticed that uh, we took we took a we took a break. Things after that became quite dull. Um, that's because we we got news that actually during during the podcast there was a game going on. It was Denmark against Finland? None of us were really watching that game, but a player collapsed. Um, apparently, it's a cardiac arrest, but we don't know for sure. And he had CPR administered on him for about fifteen minutes. That's usually not very good, and and we all were a bit a bit shaken. I think we still are. Christian Eriksen is a is a is a fantastic player. He's he's a joy to watch. He's hopefully he's going to be, he's going to be okay. Yeah, I wish I wish I could right. make a joke, right. or, 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 uh, and honestly, it's 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 very hard for me to to even like string words together right now because I I hate these things happening, and I I'm not a religious man, so I don't pray, but I I only want the best for Ericsson. Hopefully, he's fine. Well, some things are bigger than football, right? So this is this is one of those moments where I guess I I speak for all of us, all football fans everywhere, and all of us came at Thunder did new podcast when I say that um, we we hope he's doing okay and we hope he'll be fine. And the game has actually been called off. Very respectful. And hopefully the next time you hear from us, we have good news from, from Christian Eriksen. Uh, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Our thoughts and prayers to the Denmark team, to Christian Eriksen and his family. And we hope that he's doing well. 
it is it is something that's much bigger than football is because Eriksson's a, Eriksson's a really good player. He was he's an attacking midfielder. He's probably Denmark's best player and probably one of the players to watch at this Euro tournament. And to see something like this happen, obviously, it's something that none of us want to see. I mean, obviously, you can tell like Rahul's shaken up, Siva's probably shaken up, Kishore is, and I am as well to some extent. But seeing that, we are aware that as football fans and as fans of any sport in general, we all know that when we see something like this happen to a player, it's just some. It's just times like these where you we you see players, despite all the rivalries and despite all their biases, this is a time to put everything aside and to just hope for the best. You know, hope that Ericsson's okay, that he can continue. Maybe this could be the end of the, tour- the tournament for him. But I'm sure that if at all the tournament does continue, like Denmark will still have to fulfill this p- picture at some point that, you know, the Denmark players will be able to do, pr- do, do him proud. And I guess this, this is just one of those moments, you know, you don't expect something sad like this to happen. But that's football, I guess. As Rahul said, yeah, our thoughts and prayers to Christian Eriksen. And I guess, Kishore, yeah, picking Denmark is... A really, really good, a really, really good pick. Regardless of what's happened to Ericsson right now, Denmark is a solid team, and Agreed. I guess now there's added incentive to root for him after what's happened. Because true, after such after such a tragedy, you would you would obviously want these players to you know kick on and just you know you know just ca- come back, carry on his you know, come back stronger for the experience. Shonen anime. Yeah, it's like your typical shonen anime, like when one of your comrades is down, oh, you, you would just see one of the main characters just, just come yeah. up and just... I have this tendency, to, I have this like weird urge to spoil ReZero, but I'm not going to for the sake of you all haven't watched it, so please do. Yes, yes. But yeah, with that being said, thank you thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Tondo Titnu Podcast. We've previewed all the 24 teams who are participating in the Euros. Hopefully you find something you like here. If you like Sports Talk or if you like all our other episodes in general, we have loads of episodes. We we talk about anime. We talk about tech. We talk about miscellaneous topics. We talk about... It's the Tundle Titnu podcast. We talk about every topic under the sun. And we also have loads of great content lined up for you. Do check out our episodes. Do check out the interviews we've done. We've also recently done a snip uh, from Kishore talking about his experience taking the AstraZeneca vaccine. Please do share that around as well. If you like this content, please do give us a follow on Spotify and on Instagram. Do share this around. And we hope to see you in the next episode. Goodbye.